Bonjour, hi, I'm Pascal Auclair. I hope this talk supports you in your practice. J'espère que cet enseignement vous sera aidant. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed. Vous pouvez me soutenir en cliquant sur le bouton sous ma photo. Your support is greatly appreciated. Merci. Uh, how it's unfolding for you and uh, what's arising with... Uh, yeah, what are your questions? And uh, Anushka and I will share our thoughts that they might be uh, useful or not. Also, we'll have a chance to have uh, meetings in small groups um, tomorrow and the next day, too. So I know for some people it's hard to talk in a big group of people, so uh, you'll have other opportunities also for Q&A. And inviting you to be very candid. It's, uh, just tell it like it is, and we'll see you. I guess I need some advice on how to not get frustrated with myself for going off the object of awareness. I, I tend to get, um, I find that's the hardest part of the practice is just the frustration with myself. Thanks. So the question is about um, uh, the frustration that one f- uh, one's feel about uh, leaving the object of meditation and maybe drifting or getting caught in different ways and uh, what to do with this frustration, how to go about this. And so part of uh, insight practice that we're, we're doing, one of the insight maybe is to discover uh, how we can be harsh for ourselves and how it's not that useful. But the way we discover it is, is not by, uh, it's, uh, the way I call it is a high quality soaking in, in a mind that is harsh. So you're, you know, there's not much simulation. You sit here, you attend uh, to be on the breath, and the mind takes off in past and future. And when it comes back, oh my God, I failed again. Why do you? In time, it becomes pretty uh, uh, kind of shocking or disturbing that the mind talks like this to itself. And it becomes clear at some point that it's not that useful, that it's, uh, it's uh, violent, it's... Uh, it's uh, yeah, it's not beneficial for oneself. So there's a, there's a moment where we're kind of touched by that uh, and compassion can arise or, or letting go. So you can't actually let go of that voice like, okay, I'm not going to talk like, like this to myself anymore. That voice arises and you become conscious of it, mindful of it. Insight, vipassana, the practice we're doing, vipassana, translated by insight, is... Um, intuitive, penetrative experience that liberates. And so uh, having this silence and that suddenly that echo that is stronger and stronger in a way because you're more and more sensitive, you intuitively feel, oh, this is so not right. You know, this is so uh, entangling rather than liberating. It becomes more clear to you. But you have to do it a number of times in this setting for at some point something in the heart gives up, you know, it says, oh, I can't, it's too expensive, it's too damaging, I can't do this anymore. But you have to be kind of a, a little bit more um, conscious of it, like feel the repercussion. 
Otherwise, there's a belief that it's the right voice. It knows, you know, you're bad, you don't know how to do this, you know. It feels like it's intelligence. And it takes a little time for us to understand this is not intelligence. This is abuse. So the insight is, in a way, it seems costly. It has to return a few times for us to be touched. And at some point, something will kick in. That's the way I understand the practice anyway. Another angle on this might be that um, this practice reveals something about how the mind and the body uh, works. And uh, for many, um, many, maybe I could even say most people, like we're under the impression, like, like this is me, this is my body. Even though we can't touch it, we think like, oh, this is the, my mind and I could, should be able to control this. Like I should be able to make it do what I want. Um, and then as you sit here, like it's pretty quickly revealed that that doesn't seem to be true, right? <laughs> like you're just sitting here and different thoughts occur to you that you didn't script to show up. And even the body has different aches and pains that you didn't wish it to have. And you remember old songs you didn't want to remember, and, right? Like any number of things that actually um, reveals to us that this mind and body is actually not uh, under some independent uh, controlling force called me in the way that most people usually assume that it is. And um, disrupting this idea of it is, uh, it, like it can be painful and disappointing, but actually it's like an important step on the road to uh, some freedom, you could say. Because there's a way in which um, you know, we operate from this mistaken understanding about who we are and how things work, and then uh, we get stressed out about stuff that we can't control, that we think we can control. So a lot of the suffering that's there in the life is there from us trying to manage and control things and people and events that are not under our control. Uh, so the extent to which we can recognize like what is and isn't under our control and then stop trying to control the stuff that is not under our control, then uh, we can find more contentment, this contentment Pascal talked about earlier. So, uh, so this is actually like a good insight into uh, what they call like dukkha in the Buddhist teaching. So it's like, oh, there's some um, unreliability of experience that we thought was reliable. Like I thought I was in control of my mind and I could say, stay here, but then it doesn't work any more than if you, if you were like, oh, I want you to control that lizard outside, right? Like, like you would maybe try it, but then it goes here, and it goes here, and it does a little pushy. Like, it does <laughs> different things. It's not under your control. So similarly, as you watch your mind, you can see, like, the mind is doing the same thing, right? It's like doing this little push-up. It's running here. It's running there. falls asleep. So the more that we can just get interested in sort of observing it without feeling like, oh, this is mine, and I have to control it, um, then, yeah, in some ways the more freedom we have and the more is revealed. Now, in some ways, like, the, this uh, exercise we have then seems a little cruel to say, like, oh, stay on the breath, because I just told you, like, you can't really control it, right? Um, but there is a way in which we can train the attention, like, we can actually start to collect the attention that's usually very dissipated. And, and that can happen sort of little by little. So there is this way in which the mind can be um, collected uh, but it takes some um, development the same way that sort of building a muscle takes development. So from that standpoint, then, just to be like as patient as possible with yourself. Um, and in some ways, it's like learning anything. Like if you pick up an uh, instrument and you're like, oh, I should be able to play this, and you can't, like that's understandable because you're just starting with it. 
So just being very like kind and patient, like you would with a puppy or um, a little kid or you know something, something that you might love, but also not expect to already do it perfectly. Other questions? So the question is, how do you distinguish between uh, when wanting to shift the body is distraction and when it's taking care of it? So I'd say for the... This is like in sitting meditation posture, right? So for the purpose of the practice, um, it is helpful to try to be as steady as possible, like with the body which supports the mind being steady too, right? Uh, And... Also, there's a way in which the uh, unsatisfactoriness, the dukkha of the body, is revealed by this very simple exercise of, like, sit here and do nothing and then see what happens. And then pretty quickly the body starts to have pains or restless or something like that. So, kind of as Pascal was saying, we want to um, allow ourselves to actually know this experience of discomfort, Right? Uh, like we want to actually become um, intimate in a different way than we usually are with that experience. And it's not like there's anything wrong with like if you have an itch, itching it. It's not like unethical or something like that, right? Um, but there's a lot to be learned from actually being steady and observing like, well, what is this thing that makes me move in this way? Because there's so many times in our life in which something is making us move and we habitually do it, habitually do it. So I'd say, by and large, don't move if you can, but be interested in like what is making me move, and then bring attention to that. So then you'll usually find some experience of the body that could be really quick or it could be strong, and just stay with that as much as you can. If you're able to stay with that with some openness and interest to know what that experience is, to watch it changing and moving, then that's great. Stay with that as long as you can. And you can come back to the breath also. If it's very painful or difficult for you in some way and you start to get very tight and contracted around it, so then you're actually kind of practicing a gritting teeth about it, uh, then it's good to move, I would say. Uh, so just notice like you're starting to get difficult, tight, difficult about it. If you can, relax. If you can't, then, okay, I'm going to move. Notice what it's like to move, shift, and then start again. And one thing that is interesting to make the nuances between uh, two things uh, is the actual exp- the sensation itself and the reactivity, the attitude around it. And in practice, it becomes the more and more clear that there is this actual this sensation, but there's something else, which is the fear or the loathing or the, you know. And to actually have clarity about this is very liberating. Oh, there's actually this throbbing, this. It has its own intensity, its own life, but the, the, the fearing it is much, much charged, maybe, you know, and to actually, so by staying, sometimes you can start to differ, differentiate between the two, and that can be, almost want to say fun, you know, like, oh, okay, it's actually piercing, it's definitely piercing, 
But the mind that is like, ah, is, is actually, that's another thing. And I can, I can see the difference between the two. And maybe, can I, could I allow the piercing to happen? Slight piercing, let's see. You know? And then suddenly, it's like, oh, okay, that's just piercing. That's some intensity to it, but this is freeing. So, the difference between the two. Yeah. Thanks. so sleepy, I still think I start dreaming, and then I'll just like jerk awake. And I, I mean, maybe that's okay. And, or maybe there's ways of, kind of preventing myself from getting that far, because I don't want to fall over accidentally. <laughs> yeah, so sometimes uh, the, the mind f- f- tends to fall asleep and there's a jerk that wakes you up. You don't want to fall over. Mm-hmm. Um, the first thing that comes to mind is to check the posture. If it's too comfortable, you know, so if you're like this, for example, on the chair, that's, it's just next to this, you know, and then, <laughs> and then this. So, uh, to actually, maybe, uh, if, if you feel, I don't know what our, is your condition, but to un, uh, separate the body from, the, from the, the backrest there, might actually bring energy in the practice. So when the energy goes down in practice, when we have low energy, often one of the things we'll do is to uh, spend more energy. By spending energy, you actually bring in the energy in the practice. So if you're falling asleep, and before the jerk, there's actually usually like the mind starts to, you know, like you're actually hearing sound, and whoops, suddenly it becomes a little bit more dreamy-like, or a little bit more vague. And so you can... Become interested in that and, and see. Um, so there's two ways to bring energy in. One is physical. So stand up, open the eyes, literally stand up uh, on your feet. The other is by bringing curiosity in the mind. So can I actually uh, see that mind that when it starts to crumble, if that's the right word there, you know? I, I'd like to really catch the birth of the mind that goes from sharp to foggy or be there somewhere as it's descending or yeah and so bring interest you could bring interest to something else like can i act, is there a pause after my in breath or out breath something like this what what is actually known right now what is palpable and be become specific i can actually feel my toes my hands you know so Activate the mind by giving it tasks, asking questions that are answered, as Anushka said so well, by awareness, so that you don't uh, answer with words, but that you answer in experience, in clarity. Yeah. Okay. It just add also that you can notice a lot from seeing that, like the falling asleep happens on its own, and then the waking up happens on its own too, in some way, right? Like even when you're lost in some daydream and then suddenly you're like, oh right, meditating, right? You remember that. Even that moment of wakefulness, there wasn't really a, a you machinating that, like how that happened, right? Uh, now each time that we uh, practice intentionally trying to be mindful, we're kind of planting seeds for that to more likely spring up at some other time, sooner and sooner in our daydream or uh, something like that. But it's also just interesting to see that happening. And uh, kind of referring to another aspect of this uh, insight we can have about this something called anatta, like the selflessness or 
the way in which the, we usually think of ourselves is not uh, as it actually plays out, something like that. So she says uh, she experienced fear and anxiety and it can be very strong and she's trying to name it now and then not, uh, sorry, I made an assumption about pronoun, I'm sorry. So the question was about the fear and anxiety that comes, right? And that there's, uh, it comes up strongly in how to practice with this, basically, right? So the, the naming of it is good, that there's like, oh, okay, this is what this is, fear, anxiety. And in some ways to relate to that, like it's a weather pattern going through the system. Uh, is possible, and we'll, we'll practice with this more specifically tomorrow also, kind of as an exercise, uh, to try to bring awareness to the um, energetic movement of uh, any emotion, really, any emotion mind state, so sadness, uh, anxiety, excitement. Um, and it's, it's harder with the ones that are very intense, certainly, um, or that are strong, or that we identify with. Um, so try to make the container like very spacious for it, and then see if you can feel, even around the edges, like what does it feel like? What does anxiety feel like? So not only just labeling it, but actually kind of dropping awareness into the energy of that. And I'm kind of making motions here, because often it's like heart and belly that's coming uh, like more strongly, maybe throat sometimes, right? Um, and particularly with fear and anxiety, it's difficult to be with, so go in between feeling that and then being with the breath, if the breath feels pretty neutral. Or maybe feeling your feet uh, on the ground or some very basic tactile thing. Right? And then the other thing uh, is that you can try to bring some sense of um, specifically like kindness or compassion in for your own experience. Right? So just holding this in some way like you would if a friend of yours came to you and said, like, oh, there's all this fear and anxiety. And you'd be like, oh, I'm sorry, like, that's hard. Right? So in some way recognizing that in oneself, like, oh, this is hard. Mm. Like, so this is just bringing some sense of um, yeah, warmth and kindness. And uh, it can also bring a, a slight distance in some ways, in a good way, from being uh, completely tossed about by it. And maybe balancing with uh, bringing some beauty, kind of what nourishes the soul or the heart, you know. So if it works for you to sit outside and taking, taking in the beauty of the land, because it's hard to be with uh, anxiety and uh, fear and all these strong emotions. So it's actually very skillful to nourish uh, the mind. So find what actually is, uh, bring ease, uh, you know, and it could be, uh, as Anushka says, inside the, the care, the love, the friendliness, the compassion, but also outside, 
uh, in nature or you know what you what you do appreciate let yourself really appreciate it so that you don't drain but it's somewhat balanced by uh, some kind of beauty some yeah, I mentioned here so that there's a kind of a way, we didn't cover this in the very beginning of the retreat, but there's a um, way in which uh, in, in this practice there's this thing of taking refuge. For some people, they relate to this and it's helpful, particularly when there's very difficult and overwhelming things happen in one's life or in experience. Uh, and I know a lot of people come to retreat having a lot of grief or having suffering themselves or others or anxiety, um, among all the other beautiful things that happen and that are part of our lives. So what this is is in some way remembering that uh, you're not alone in this and that whatever it is that is part of your experience is part of a bigger, uh, kind of a bigger picture. Now how you would define that may be different for different people. Like for some people, it's like, okay, this is part of the human experience. Or for other people, it's this idea like taking refuge in the Dharma. is like there's some larger lawfulness of um, the universe in which I can remember and rest in. So if that speaks to you at all, this is getting into somewhat more cryptic and mystical language, then um, that's great. Remember that yourself as part of nature, you know, something like this. Um, and it can help take away the idea of like me and my struggle with this as like kind of give it back to the world. Yes, please. So the question is about um, some agitation or some kind of anxiety that would not be so much felt in the body, but the mind that has repetitive thinking. And uh, yeah, so any advice around that? Yeah, I like that you say you sometimes you come down. That's what I heard, that you come down in the body. And so you try to balance the thinking mind with sensory experience, right? Is that, yeah. yeah. How does that work for you? Is that somewhat helpful sometimes yeah and some of the thoughts are pretty uh, charged no they're yeah and sometimes there's a kind of negotiation going on like I'll go in the body or in the breath but give me just another two minutes to (laughs) think this through or to (laughs) review that scenario and it's so it's there's a charge to it so um, so in the process that you're describing, there's already, we're already in the field of insight in, the, in terms that you're noticing the charge of thoughts, you know. Sometimes, again, we feel like we should be doing this well, but actually what is happening is you're noticing the power that the ideas, beliefs, or fears, or things like this can have on the mind, how the mind can be hooked uh, habitually or obsessively 
on thoughts, you know. So there is discovery being made now. It's not fun, it's not comfortable. You know, you might prefer to be just with the breath and that's all. But you're actually making, seeing the power of the mind, how it takes grabs of us. And so sometimes we tend to evaluate the practice and like, oh, this is not so, such good practice because it's not pleasant or it's not just on the breath. But we're actually making really... Uh, uh, things are becoming more obvious to, to us, more clear. So just to recognize this, right? And so for me, I would definitely go to sensory awareness to try to balance it with what is happening here now that I can notice, even though, again, I'll be kind of swept or entranced or fascinated. And so many times getting out of that, abandoning, just to be taken over again and again. So it uh, takes a lot of humility, but also the um, same amount of um, determination or patience. or uh, Yeah, so that's what I would, uh, would say for now, Anushka. That's good. Okay. Thank you. Thanks for sharing. Yes, please. Yeah. And there's something about um, the line between presence and actual totally dissociated. Like, I feel sometimes like I get into a place where I'm not thinking, but I'm lost. Yeah. It's like dream world. Like, I can't tell am I present or am I completely outside of my body. I wonder if you could speak to that and anything helpful to like, just understand what's happening. Do you want to go? So a question about um, knowing when you're present and not present, basically. Um, and particularly when there's a lot of different things swirling around, maybe in the mind, sort of emotions or thoughts or something like that. And what is the... How, how can you even tell something like that? Is that accurate? <laughs> um, so when is just the body is like such a helpful um, friend in this? And... It's good to remember this because many times it doesn't seem like your friend when it's in pain, but even the pain is happening in this moment here. So connecting with the body can be very grounding, whether it's a pleasant experience, a painful experience, or a neutral experience of just feeling your feet on the ground or something like that. Um, So that can be very helpful. And then for a lot of things, including a lot of swirling emotions, um, as I was describing earlier, they can be felt in some way in the body, although they're much more subtle than like a, a strong feeling of your foot falling on the ground. Right? So I would say one thing to that is to uh, try to connect with the body and feel as much as possible uh, in that way. Yeah. And, and just to uh, add to this, uh, Anushka, the, behind Anushka there's a, an image of the Buddha and uh, you can see uh, maybe that one of the hand is the two hands are not like this. There's one that is touching the ground there, and so uh, the experience. This is the Buddha to be just maybe before awakening, and so there might be something like you're describing happenings, like oh, where am I? What's going on? I'm a little confused. Am I there? Not there? And so anyway, that's my interpretation of this. And at some point, so what is helpful for the Buddha and might be for us is to come back to something extremely simple. And so 
touch, touch. That's, that's my sense of what uh, he's doing there. He's like coming to something extremely simple. So connecting with sensory awareness. The other thing I would say is uh, what I like and what you're reporting is that you're, you're curious about these mind states. So this is really meditation here. So before you would be in this no man's land or in this kind of fog and you would just be entranced in it and it would last for a little while and then something else would come, you know. You would not question this, you would not be curious about it. And now what I hear in your question is, hold on, there's a place where it's not that, then it's not that, it's something, and what is that? So you're starting to have this discernment, to discern, to actually be interested in real time in different mind states. So hold on, what is this one? This one is a little dreamy. This one is kind of flat. This one has presence to it. You know, so you're, you're actually uh, uh, discovering for yourself what mind state is what, you know. And so that's why we sit here so many days and hours and sit, because we're going to have a whole range of different mind states. The mind, psyche is, you know, one minute it'll be like full of moi, you know. I got it. I should be on front teaching. And a few minutes later, oh, everybody else got it except me. One minute it'll be, I belong, the other I don't. And, you know, there'll be many movements. Sometimes there'll be clarity. I'm so clear. My mind is so calm and clear. And the next moment is like, why am I speaking with the duck? You know, like, what, what's that? And so you get to experience from within more and more the different texture, the different fields, the different worlds you find yourself in, you know. And in time, we'll start to see that in discouragement. Time seems like endless and future hopeless, you know. And wow, it suddenly it will, we will wake up to this. Oh, of course it appears like this. The mind is discouraged. So it will present others, self, and reality in, a, in this way. And at some point I'll be like all like touch and full of gratitude and everything will be extremely beautiful. And, uh, of course. You know? So we're starting to wake up inside of mind states instead of being driven by them, believing them, feeding them. So that's this practice here is... What is this mind state? So anyone actually is good. You know, oh, fear. Fear feels like this. It tastes like this. or it, It's that kind of ambiance. Oh, fogginess, tiredness, uh, you know, calm, spacious heart, tight heart, broken heart. These are the different variations. Kindness. Oh, a mind that is friendly, even if it's grieving, if there is this kind of friendliness in there, this benevolence. Wow, that's the f particular field, right? And so we start to discern and we will start to value some qualities of mind, like uh, the capacity to recognize what is happening, but a lot benevolence, being, a, being friendly with uh, self or experience in, in any way. We're going to have a, really a felt sense of this. So there's one of these mind states there where it's kind of foggy, not kind of, I called it earlier maybe half there. You know, you can't say you were really there. You can't say you're somewhere else. <laughs> but, you know, it's also natural for the mind, I think, to kind of do, do these different movements. And all these different mind states we are talking about are emotions. They, we might discover that they have all something in common is that they arise, they live fully, they kind of bloom, 
and at some point they change, disappear, morph into something else, you know? So sometimes the mind will be calm and then it will become flat. It's not exactly calm anymore, it's flat. And then it will go from flat to curious, to curious, from curious to curiously joyful, like a little joy will come in the curiosity. It will become enthusiastic and then, I don't know, spacious, and then spacious loving, and then space, then close down with fear suddenly, you know? And we'll learn to actually sit inside of these mind state, more and more awake, inside of, inside of these bodies that will be, uh, you know, light, uh, crooked, pounding, stuck, heavy, uh, whatever they do, the bodies, you know, pulsating, distant, you know, all this. So, anyway, I just like the fact that you're like, hold on, there's, there's different things happening here. So to me, that's like, oh, yeah, yeah, stay tuned. <laughs> there's more coming. <laughs> Thank you so much. One more? <coughs> yes. Um, so, I feel like I'm usually just kind of going back and forth between like about to fall asleep and like extremely agitated. Like my mind's just like gone crazy. Um, so, sometimes I try to just find the anchor for the awareness that is most accessible and that sometimes makes it so that I feel like I'm kind of jumping around to like different awareness anchors, like on the breath or sound or the body or whatever. And um, I'm just not sure that that's like actually helpful if the idea is to like say, right now we're just gonna be on the breath and try and come back no matter what, or, or if it's helpful to look for something that's more accessible in that moment. So the question, uh, just to make sure everybody heard, is about uh, maybe what is the anchor, or there's this, first there's this experience, and, and I think you might, people might relate a lot to this. You say, this is the first day, and I seem to go from being sleepy to being kind of agitated and somewhere between the two. So my sense is you're not alone <laughs> in this. That's very typical first day of a retreat and then you try to find where will could the attention land that would be helpful that would sustain practice or maybe balance things or bring energy and so you find yourself going from one object to the next trying to find the right anchor is it sound is it breath and that you're questioning is that am I getting lost there and searching for the right object yeah and so that's describing a lot the art of practice where we start to, to see for ourselves what's helpful and what's not. And at some point, you maybe reach that conclusion is actually, I'm agitating myself by going from one, maybe I should just land in this one, even if it, it's hard to be with it and it doesn't seem like the perfect object, like the breath, I still fall asleep or the mind collapses in some ways. Maybe I'll stay here, it will prevent more agitation, yeah? So you're discovering this for yourself in, in practice. Um, 
I think it's, it's, uh, it's okay. There's a lot of trial and error in this practice. We try different things and we find out what works and not. Uh, I think it's okay to actually look here and there a little bit to see what is something that I can connect with and stay with that, that I, has some juice to it, you know, that a mind can, uh, doesn't like, uh, you know, but that can get interested in, you know. And then, uh, you know, avoiding looking for the perfect object that doesn't exist, really, right? And also remembering that on the first day of a retreat, that's kind of the field most of us find ourselves in, you know. We're either, the mind is either too low energy to connect with reality or too much to connect with it. So that's very useful, useful to remember. Oh yeah, first day of retreat, the mind. We're used to a lot of stimulation, you know, like text, conversation, places to be, etc. And then we come to this environment. Suddenly you're asked to be excited about your breath. You know, like... <laughs> And many of us are like, where, where is even this thing? You know, it's not so outstanding. Like, it seems pretty neutral. Right? It's not like it's not like a big conflict, or you know, it's not that juicy in this way. You know, so it takes a little bit of time for the mind to actually refine to be able to connect with that level of uh, activity. You know, like it's it's not so outstanding. So give it giving a chance uh, to the mind to catch up you know, or quiet down and something like that. So maybe we can just sit for a minute or two together and um, can feel your body here, feel your breath. Feel your heart.
So thank you for your questions and thank you for your attention. And we'll have our final period of walking practice for the day. And maybe we'll have for half an hour. So I think someone is supposed to ring the bell probably at like for the 8.20 sitting. Let's make it an 8.30 sitting. Uh, Is there someone here who's bell ringer for that one? Okay, cool. So you can ring it 10 minutes later than you were supposed to. And then we'll come in for our last sitting together as community at that point. Thank you. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.